Well, how much do you know about how Michigan funds its public universities and institutions of higher education and about how much it funds those institutions? David Bertram is Associate Vice President for State Relations for Michigan State University, and Jeremy Reuter is Director of Statewide Advocacy, and they're joining me on MSU today to discuss just that topic. Welcome, gentlemen. Thank you, Russ. Thanks for having us. MSU is a publicly funded university, which means we receive state funds for operations. How much funding do we receive, and what areas of MSU receive funds in this process? First of all, the the um, the number changes a little bit every year. So the number I'm giving right now, which is 287 million, is a number that we're getting this year. Now that's just in one line for one purpose. That's general operating dollars from the state of Michigan. And so in addition to that 287 million, um, ag bio research um, gets about 35 million, uh, extension 30 million. Uh, there are other smaller programs like Project Green, which is an annual program as well, uh, 5.6 million. That's to do uh, plant uh, based agriculture research and, and those types of supports from the state. And, and there's a number of other programs as well. Um, MyDocs is, is, is one that stands out. This is one that um, provides clinical opportunities for medical students. We have two medical colleges and for those medical students, when they do their, their clinical time, uh, this program helps them connect. A lot of people think that's paid for by hospitals or paid for by the university. It actually comes through a program like MyDocs and other similar programs. Uh, there's another small program called the um, Alliance for Animal Agriculture, MIAAA, and that is doing some incredible research just in the last uh, three or four years since it started on the animal side of, of agriculture. So when you really add it up, 287 million is the answer for our general operating dollars. But when you add all the other things that, that are uh, like some I just mentioned, it's about 400 million a year, maybe a little under that. And it, it, it's kind of in that range. Um, so that's, that's probably the biggest, the biggest thing. I would just say what areas receive it. It's really all of MSU. This is money that goes into our general fund, except for athletics. Um, I would distinguish that no money from the state uh, goes to athletics. I'd also qualify that no money from student tuition goes into athletics as well. That is a completely standalone program. They're self-sustaining and, and obviously receive gifts as well from donors. So what I would add in there is uh, for the $287 million in general operations, that works out to be about 20% of our operating fund today. And and historically, that number was was much higher. But and I'll even take the point on athletics. For example, the scholarships that students receive and funded by athletics um, does have a somewhat of a tie back to the university and the fact that those are full tuition rates that you know athletics has to cover. And so, as the cost of tuition raises at the, as a university, that's an increased cost for the athletics um, department to have to be able to cover it in their operating budget and in, in their revenue stream. So uh, while there is no direct dollars coming from the state going there, there is a correlation in terms of cost of operations for athletics based on what you know the university's tuition is. The other thing, Russ, I might just add is that um, the money that comes to universities, not just MSU, but to, to other public universities in Michigan, uh, that money, um, 
comes from a number of sources within the state budget. And there is some money, and this isn't always fun to talk about, um, but some of the money does come, come from the school aid fund. The school aid fund is traditionally set up to help K-12 schools. But um, if we didn't get that funding from the school aid fund, uh, higher ed in general in the state would be, uh, would be hurting. Uh, matter of fact, community colleges get all their money from the school aid fund. So uh, what's been a positive for the state in, in the last couple decades really is that sales tax revenues have done very well. So it's, it's been a, a good source that way for everybody. We're, we're all able to play in the same pool. We often hear about the need for a more educated workforce to meet the employment needs of today and in the future. So why isn't it more? No, once upon a time, it was more. <laughs> it, 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 and unfortunately, it, it's, it's not as high as, as where we believe it should be. You know, um, Jeremy and I might even provide a different answer to you about what the perfect percentage it is that should come from the state. Um, but what's happened is a real transformation uh, over a period of decades, really. Um, one of the numbers, I, I think, and it's easy for me to remember, uh, back in 1958, uh, uh, or 1985, 58% uh, of our uh, funding came from the state of Michigan. And we just talked about, Jeremy mentioned 20%. So you can see we've dropped since 1985 down to 20%. Um, I think probably most people listening can remember 1985. Um, and that doesn't seem like that long ago. It, it is 35 years ago. But in that time frame, um, that's that's how much um, it's changed. Um, we would be getting a lot more funding right now um, uh, if a number of factors didn't happen. The most recent big hit to us was about a decade ago, about ten years ago, um, and that is when uh, the previous governor came came in and. Uh, there was a budget deficit, a significant one for the state. It wasn't just higher ed that took the hit, but we all took a 15% cut. And it has taken us just to get back to where we were 10 years ago, just a couple of years ago. Uh, and, and matter of fact, Wayne State, I don't think it's quite back where they were. So um, it's been a series of those things over a period of about 30 years. And from our perspective, we just need to raise the importance of, of higher ed funding within the state budget. And, and that's a, not just an MSU thing, it's, it's everybody. And Russ, I would just add a little data context to that. So, you know, the cut that David was referring to about a decade ago, the 15% worked out to be just over $41 million. And at that time, the university that, you know, funding that we received was about 20% of our job, general operations fund. And that dropped down to 23%. And so, you know, David mentioned it took us about a decade to get back to that same funding amount. Well, that was not keeping up with the rate of inflation. And so, you know, it took us time to catch back up to the same dollar amount. And at the same time, that overall percentage not keeping up with rate of inflation actually then decreased what our overall uh, percentage of the budget was. So give it a little deeper context, 1985, if we just kept up with the rate of inflation, today, Michigan State University would be funded for over $600 million. And so when you take that into a budget context of, you know, being around $300 million now versus $600 million, you can see where that has an impact. You've got to make up those revenue dollars somewhere for being able to operate in today's, um, you know, inflation adjusted amount. 
I guess that's why gone are the days like in the late seventies when I was getting ready to come here where I could work at the Ford plant in the summer and get just about the whole nut for the year. But how many other publicly funded institutions are there in the state of Michigan and what percent of the state budget do these universities make up in the budget overall? Yeah, that's a good question. And, and 15 is the answer. There's 15 state public universities. There's a, a number of private institutions as well um, that don't receive uh, the same type of funding uh, that, that MSU and, and our counterparts would. So uh, usually it's, it's uh, you know, you see state university behind their names, University of Michigan, and, and you know, is in there without the state behind their name. Uh, but those 15 institutions are really across the whole state. Matter of fact, three are in the Upper Peninsula um, and then spread out to the other, the other 12 throughout the Lower Peninsula. And so the percentage of budget is, is a, a, a kind of a tough answer. It depends on what part of the, the state budget you're talking about. The state gets about $35 billion a year. Now, I'm going to take this COVID era kind of off the table for a second, because I don't want to, you know, that hopefully this is an anomaly for us in, in this period right now, but in a routine year, it would be about 35 billion. A lot of that is what they call pass-through dollars. These are dollars that come from the federal government that essentially the state can't really do anything with, but to pass it on uh, to, to um, other entities, local governments, health departments, hospitals, et cetera. And so um, when you get down to it, it's about 10 billion of that 35 billion the state gets that's discretionary. And all the, the 15 public institutions, 1.25 billion uh, per year in, in the cycle we're in right now. So that gives you some perspective. It's probably in the area of about 10%, maybe a little less than that uh, out of the discretionary money. Uh, not not the full 35. Uh, otherwise, it's about 3%, which isn't isn't that much. Could be higher. <laughs> Guys, we've been touching on this throughout our conversation, but is there more to say about MSU's funding history and recent trends? Well, I think there is. I mean, um, it, it goes back to uh, the earlier comments, Russ, about uh, a student thinking uh, what money they need to set aside to go to college. And um, I don't think Michigan State is unique in this way. I think every, uh, we just talked about the 15 public institutions in Michigan. Uh, it's the private institutions as well. Um, Jeremy pointed out, we've not maintained uh, the pace of state funding with inflation. And so just really in, since 2018-19, we've been in kind of that holding pattern uh, of flat funding. Well, that's not going to get us anywhere, especially as we've seen in the news in the last few weeks, um, inflation is up very high now. Um, so this, if we don't get a, a good bump here in, in the state budget, which they'll have to get finished at some point in September, um, October 1 is their new fiscal year. I mean, we may not even be able to have a rate that's an increase above the rate of inflation. So um, it goes back to the analogy and the point that people who went to school 30 years ago had a much different scenario. Uh, you could make a lot of your tuition, not maybe not all of it, but a lion's share of it by working a job. Um, that's not the case today. So you see, you know, you see tuition go up, but you also see everyone's debt load go up. And, and that, that's what makes it really tough. 
And what I would add on to that is, you know, while we've aimed to keep up with the rate of inflation, um, that's been a, a bar and a threshold we've wanted to. We certainly want to be above and beyond that and start to recover not only beyond the past decade, but beyond that um, so that, you know, we are providing uh, an, a, a better fiscal opportunity for students when they're, they're coming here and the cost of tuition. Uh, but when we look at it in the rest of the budget, uh, historically here in the state of Michigan, and, and David talked about the discretionary funds that come to the state, uh, there's also the state general fund. And if you look at the overall state budget, higher education really has been, let's keep up with the rate of inflation, but we're not increasing it. When you look at pretty much every other line item in the state budget over a course of time, they've seen larger increases in comparison yeah. to what we've seen in higher education. Uh, so we certainly would like to be on par with the rest of the state budget uh, and the importance. And, and you hit on it earlier, Russ, uh, you know, the graduates from the university here at Michigan State University, we have 276,000 alumni who are living in the state of Michigan, working in the state of Michigan, uh, bringing economic returns to the state. And, you know, we're, we're part of creating the workforce here in the state. And so investment in not only Michigan State University, but higher education uh, in the state of Michigan is an investment in our state. I would, I would add that um, in the last uh, decade, we've been the lowest funded um, in categories within the state budget. Um, so it's the, that percentage we talked about earlier, it just isn't keeping up and it, it shows in the dollars. I mean, there's a lot of programs in the state that have not received good funding and are probably making their case to the legislature and to the governor. Um, ours is the strongest case. We, we've been the lowest funded in the last decade. And, and it, it, but it's, this has been a period of downward trend, but the last decade has been very acute. How does this funding history compare to other education funding in Michigan or the all overall budget? Is this a higher ed versus K-12 thing? You know, we really don't want it to be about higher ed versus K-12 or higher ed versus community colleges because really they, we all work hand in hand. And, and quite frankly, we've always said this, if, if a student isn't taught well at the K-12 level, MSU is going to spend a lot of resources and dollars when they arrive, uh, you know, on our campus to, to get them to where they need to be to graduate, to be successful. And as you know, we've had a lot of student success programs in place and we've been ramping up our percentage of, of uh, students that are graduating. And the last thing you want to have is someone spend thousands of dollars to, to not get a degree. So that is part of, we're part of the system We're we're really part of the system. And so are the community colleges um, I'm going to just say this, and, and again, it's not um, competition, but in the, the, the scale of this, K-12 has been funded better, and, and they did have a nice year this year. The only part of the state budget that's done is the K-12 budget um, at this point, and they did get, um, they accomplished something that um, many have been trying to do in the education world for a long time, is they filled the gap between the of K-12 school districts that were funded at the basement level and they brought them all up. And that is, they now have a ground floor um, that they're all working from, which is great for K-12. That's going to help us, I believe, um, in the long run in higher ed. But when you look at direct funds, that doesn't help us right, us right now uh, in higher ed. I will also say this, community colleges um, have been funded, I think, on a similar scale uh, approach, maybe doing a little better than, than our four-year institutions uh, in the state. 
but this year um, they really got um, a nice boost out of the Michigan reconnect program, which is a program that allows for um, free tuition for um, uh, students that qualify. And it's, it's a pretty open uh, qualification. So people that want to come back to, to community college can go for free under the Michigan reconnect program. So that's funding that, that is kind of out of the, the line item and more programmatic that the community colleges are going to receive, not just this year, but for the next few years. So they're kind of in a better position. K-12 is in a better position and that leaves higher ed. Um, we're, we're still, we're still trying to work through it. Where are we at in the current budget process and what can you tell us about the current dynamics at play? You mentioned October 1 is approaching fast, David. It is. Um, October 1 is the state fiscal year. And so um, right now, uh, the legislature was close. They, they have a had, I'm going to say had because they had it self-imposed um, for the last two years, uh, um, J- July 1 deadline to get their budget done. Now, we, we just talked about October 1 is when their fiscal year begins, but the department's all entities receiving this money, some of them actually start with a July one budget year, like we do, K-12 schools, others. And so not getting that money until October one causes wrinkles for everybody to implement their budgets, um, especially in a, in a COVID era. Um, so the last couple of years, the state has, the legislature has tried to get it done by July one, but they've, they've, they've not done that. Um, so uh, the budget is still not quite finished. Um, as I mentioned a few minutes ago, K-12 budget is completed. That's the only piece of the state budget that is complete at this point. Um, they're going to come back shortly after Labor Day. A couple days after Labor Day is when they're going to get um, really back into session. The House is in uh, some uh, late August, but they're not going to be tackling the budget until after Labor Day. So those three weeks after Labor Day till the end of September is when this budget will get completed. Uh, otherwise, we'd be headed for a state shutdown uh, after October 1. I don't think we really need a state shutdown on top of a pandemic. Um, there's too many services that are needed out there. We read often about a declining demographic of college-age students in Michigan, really around the country, I think, in most areas. Can the state continue to support all of the 15 public universities you mentioned? The, the state actually is is doing pretty well right now. Um, this is seems counterintuitive uh, with businesses struggling and, and especially small businesses and certain sectors of the economy that are struggling. Um, one of the things that happened about two years ago, it was pre-pandemic, but it wasn't well known, is the way the state of Michigan collects its sales and use tax. Um, internet sales were never really taxed they were kind of a voluntary tax where when you bought something online, you could pay the tax on an honor system. Well, there just wasn't too many people paying it. And so when this now went into place, um, it, it has been a robust sales and use tax collection for the state. So what the state has done it, really during this time when people are at home more and and doing more online shopping instead of retail shopping and in, in, in the stores, their collections have actually blossomed because that it wouldn't have been collected necessarily before. Uh, matter of fact, um, last year the the projections were above 
what they were expecting this year alone, just in this calendar year um, here, uh, it, they're already 1.5 billion above what they were projecting to receive in state revenues. So the dollars are there, and I'm not even talking about federal dollars that will come in due to COVID relief. Um, so uh, the American Recovery Plan and, and, and those types of programs are, that's additional. I'm just talking about the state revenue. The revenue is up. Um, so the dollars are there. I think it's a matter of getting a commitment um, from the state to higher ed uh, and the legislature for that matter. And, and just to go back for a minute on, on the state budget piece, um, you know, where we stand right now on how much we might get for next fiscal year, which starts October 1, is, is a, still a guessing game. Uh, the, the House has got us flat. The Senate uh, adopted a 2% increase for higher ed, which we know now won't, won't likely keep, keep with the rate of inflation. Um, and the Senate was trying to put in play uh, a higher increase than the 2%. So the negotiations are still going on there. So we really don't know quite where higher ed will land at this minute. Well, and, and David, what are some of the current budget proposals for the upcoming fiscal year? Well, looking at, and, and that's really it, we, we're looking at, um, uh, you know, potentially a 2%. I would hope that's the the bottom line, you know, uh, there is a chance that we could just get flat funding. Um, I, I will say there is some uh, that express concern that uh, MSU has vaccinations put in place. And so there are some within the legislature that are looking at the institutions, which by the way, there are out of the 15 public institutions, six of them have um, um, vaccination requirements in order to work or attend class at those institutions. And so we're being scrutinized a little bit. We hope that there is no punitive uh, language or, or funding, uh, uh, you know, reductions that get put into place due to that. So there's a lot of talk about that right now as we're probably two to three weeks away from the state really in earnest getting down to it. Um, what I mean down to it is, is finishing their budget deal. Uh, but that's in play as well. So, um, uh, you know, would I, would I be thrilled with 2% increase? No, but that might be about where we land. And there is one more wrinkle here, Russ, and, and, and David, probably will, I want to add on to this. We've talked a lot about percentage increases, you know, percentage of our overall general operations budget. Uh, the House this year did come out with a proposal um, typically, the higher education funding, it's a 2% increase, a 3%, whatever the percent increase, and then it goes through a formula to distribute across the 15 public universities. And so uh, the House has actually proposed for that formula to be revised a bit. And um, in their terms, a radical new um, a proposal for funding. And, and that would have an impact on all 15 universities getting a different funding amount based on whatever percentage would be in place. Now, that's uh, still going through the negotiation process across the, the chambers, and what it, we'll see if that ends up in the final budget. Uh, but there is that other radical proposal, if you will, out there as a possibility of redistribution of funding across the state. And I know David might want to add to that, but um, that is also in play. Yeah, that's a good point, Jeremy, and it is radical. Um, the House and Senate are in very different places. Um, even though they're both under Republican control, 
Um, the house came up with a per student approach, which you find in K-12. Um, it's not really done anywhere else in the country in that manner. Um, we've tried to explain to the legislature, the house, um, that each institution is very different. It's not fair to compare Michigan State, who is a land, you know, we're a land grant institution with heavy research one, uh, level one research institution, uh, in comparison with, you know, Saginaw Valley or Ferris State even, or, so, you know, any of the other public 15. Um, Wayne State, Michigan, and Michigan State are three research tier one institutions. So, our Carnegie peers, and I know this gets in deep into um, classification, but that's how our higher ed formula works in the state and has for about 11 or 12 years now. We, we kind of compete in this group. There's about five different classes, the Carnegie classes, each of those 15 public institutions fit into. Our, we're in the toughest class to compete with. So it's, the formula doesn't necessarily favor research institutions, so the large three institutions don't necessarily get favored under the formula, but to be quite honest, the current formula we have is so much better than what the house is trying to do. Um, the house proposal would call for significant cuts to U of M, Wayne state. And in the third year, Michigan state, um, it would phase this, this proposal in over three years. And by the third year, we would actually be losing money from our base, not as much as university of Michigan or Wayne state would, um, there are other institutions. Oakland, uh, for example, would have the biggest windfall under this proposal. They would increase by 30%. So it's a very strange um, approach, basing it on just on students. And, and, you know, well, X amount would go with each student. And there, again, it goes back to each institution being different, having a different mission, um, having a different uh, presence, a different infrastructure. Um, so we would really rather stick to the current formula rather than the house version of, of the budget. How can Spartans or higher education supporters be engaged in the budget process and keep up with what's taking place? So I would uh, jump in first here and talk about uh, that budget reduction we talked in in 2010. We actually launched a program in response called Spartan Advocate, and it's supported by a second program, uh, My Spartan Impact. But really, at the end of the day, what we, we ask for, for Spartans out there to do is uh, promote their experience at Michigan State University, what it meant to them, and how it helped them to get to, to where they're at. And I think the other port, point that's important to hit on is, um, as you mentioned, Russ, when you were getting ready to go here, uh, the cost of tuition then versus today, and know that over the course of time, the funding for the university has impacted what the cost of, of tuition is for, for students. So my own experience when I graduated here is not the same as when uh, the students who are here today and what, what they're experiencing. And it all comes back to all the pieces that we were talking about uh, with the budget and, and what comes into the state. And so uh, we ask that uh, Spartans out there join to be a Spartan advocate. And what we do is we simplify the things that we've talked about throughout this podcast and, and put it into very easy uh, pieces to read. We'll send an update email to our, our Spartan advocates. We keep a website updated. I'll share that website here in a moment. And, uh, you know, if there's an opportunity to engage and communicate 
uh, with the legislature, we'll make that easy for them as well. But ultimately, we want uh, Spartans to communicate their experience. And then on that My Spartan Impact website, which is myspartanimpact.msu.edu, and it's M-I, not M-Y. Uh, when you get there, you'll find all kinds of information about our economic returns here in the state of Michigan. We estimate that to be about $5.8 billion, and that's produced from the 276,000 alumni across the state in all 83 counties. MSU Extension, uh, which is in all 83 counties, uh, it's from our, our research base. It's essentially uh, what we've helped to create here in, in the state of Michigan through our students, but also through our faculty and staff uh, which we also have in 82 out of 83 counties. And when you visit that website, you'll find a piece there that uh, across the top that says Spartan Advocate. If you go to that tab, you can sign up to be an advocate. We'll send those updates through the budget process. And we try and minimize how many emails go out and simplify it the best that we can, in which case you can always find more information on the website and, deep in, and jump in as deep as you want into the budget process as you'd like. And uh, we, we then will set up the advocacy process when it's needed and make that process as simple as possible as well. It is, um, it is a great source of data. And uh, Jeremy maintains a lot of this um, that goes into it. Uh, one of the things I'll add is, while this is a huge source for our Spartan advocates and our, our Spartan friends out there across the state and the country and the world, quite frankly, it also serves as a great tool for legislators to understand the impact. So those decision makers we've been talking about, um, you know, they can see the same data and look at it from their district and, and see uh, how much um, of an impact MSU, its employees, its investment make in the state of Michigan. Of course, being a land-grant institution, we have that statewide mission, and so it just works perfectly with that. And can you share some examples of advocacy work in the past so listeners know what to expect when asked to engage? Absolutely. So in the, just even the course of the last six months or so, we've engaged in a couple of advocacy, advocacy opportunities. Uh, when folks are signed up to be advocates, they'll get those updates. And so when the, that Radical House uh, proposal came out, we did ask our advocates uh, to message to their state representative uh, many of the concerns that David listed in, in terms of not each of these 15 institutions operate the same way, our missions are different, uh, the number of in-state students vary, and so express uh, the concerns that we have in, in regards to that radical proposal and the shifts that that could have in the long term moving forward. And so we sent out an email with a link where those folks could go to. When they get there, we have talking points ready for them, a pre-crafted message that we ask them to add their own personal tone and message to. And then with a the click of a button, they're able to send that off. Uh, a second one that we did is initially the uh, Senate proposal when it came out did not match the governor's uh, proposal for increase for higher education. They revised that as they went through the process to match the governor's proposal. And so we asked our advocates to send a message to the Senate thanking them for increasing their proposal. Uh, we certainly want to take advantage of when there's a, a positive movement or a positive proposal out there to send a very quick and easy thank you message. So again, we send a link, we give the talking points, we ask folks to add on to the message, and then with a click of a button, they're able to send it off. And then the last one, which I, I think is important because we've talked a lot about the state budget, uh, but we've uh, engaged more in the last year as well with our, our congressional delegation. And so there is a national campaign to double the Pell Grant. And so we partnered with the Office of Financial Aid here on campus and sent a message out to students who received the Pell Grant. 
And what we did is we set up a very easy uh, message for them to be able to send off to their congressional representative supporting uh, increases in the Pell Grant. And so those are folks who are not currently signed up to be advocates, uh, but we saw an opportunity for them to engage uh, with Congress. And so we set up the place, the webpage for them to go and have some talking points, craft a very personal message on why the Pell Grant helped them as students. And they were able to send that off uh, again with a, pretty much a click of a button once they, they put their personal message in. So we try and make it as simple as possible for folks to engage uh, with their representatives and give them as much information as we can so that they can, they can craft the personal message along with anything that we might provide with them. I, I would add, Russ, that anybody who is interested, we'd ask them to join us. And, and um, the one thing that I will say is this, it's not like a second job. You don't, you don't, it doesn't take that kind of a, t- a time commitment. Uh, it might be a couple times a year. Uh, we would love it to, to not have to, to do it. <laughs> It'd be nice if, if we were sending thank yous only out. Um, and, and those are important. Uh, to send those messages, but it's a few times a year is what it really amounts to. And um, we, we welcome everybody. And we've created some new avenues for this information to not only be emails, David started recording some videos. We'll certainly use this podcast to, to share with folks and try and make it as engaging and easy to, to get the information in a quick format as, as possible. And I mentioned the website before, myspartanimpact.msu.edu. Uh, but to sign up to be an advocate, we also have a shortened link, which is go.msu forward slash ADV. And that will take you right to the sign up sheet. We've been talking about how and how much Michigan funds its public universities, like our beloved Michigan State University, with David Bertram. He's Associate Vice President for State Relations at MSU. And Jeremy Ruder is Director of Statewide Advocacy. And gentlemen, is there anything I've got you warmed up, anything we haven't touched on or an important message you want to leave or just some final thoughts to leave with our listeners? I would just encourage anybody listening um, that even if you don't sign up as a, as a Spartan advocate um, to engage with your state legislator uh, about higher ed funding and the importance of it. And um, the conversation um, we think really needs to flip a little bit um, there, there in the past, um, Oh, six, eight years, there's been a trend of people saying, well, do I really need to go to, to college? Do I need to get a degree and we really need to change that conversation to be, you need to understand that roughly three quarters of the jobs uh, in the, that are out there are going to require a degree. And while you might have a good paying job for a few years to sustain a career, you do need to have that degree. And that hasn't changed. And job providers are still asking for degrees. So it really is in people's best interest to get a degree, the only way to make that affordable is to have the state commit to, to funding higher education. So it's really that conversation we need to have. It needs to be casual. It needs to be uh, in the district at home. They see their legislator in church in the grocery store, walking on the street, you know, at the fireworks, whatever it might be. And, uh, you know, those are the types of conversations we need to have, not just for MSU, but for all our institutions in Michigan. And the only thing I would add to that, Russ, is, you know, uh, when you're speaking with uh, your representatives and, and make it as localized as possible. And so not only your personal experience here at Michigan State University, but understand what we're doing in, in your backyard across the state. We, between Ag Bio Research, we've got research stations all across the state. MSU Extension operates in all 83 counties. 
Uh, really, MSU is across the state. That is part of our mission and our delivery. Um, and so it goes beyond just your personal experience, potentially here on campus, understand what we're doing in the backyard and make it as personable as possible because that investment really does go a long way, not only for degree attainment, but for the delivery of extension, our agriculture community across the states. Uh, we do play a, a very wide role in understanding what we what we do as a university here in the state of Michigan is, is really important for not only Spartans, uh, but folks who may not affiliate as a Spartan to understand that we are still in your backyard and we're there mm -hmm. and we're helping in the community. Well, David and Jeremy, thank you so much for, for sharing this important information with us. And again, My Spartan Impact, that's M-I, mysparteninpact.msu.edu is a great place to start to, to, to get some more information on everything we've talked about. So appreciate the information. And I'm Russ White. This is MSU Today.